0: All right, we are back with another installment of Accepting the Challenges uh, here, where we want to cast a light and uh, bring attention to educators all around the world that literally do exactly what we call ourselves, accepting the challenges. They wake up every single day and accept those challenges that come to them to be a parent, a coach, a counselor, a teacher and a whole bunch of other things every single day. Now, today we've got, it could not be any more relevant um, of a guest. Um, And I did not ask you this off air and I probably should have. So I'm going to (laughs) attempt to pronounce your name if I butcher it. Um, Please do not hold it against me and correct me. So it is Layal.
1: Close, it's Layal.
0: Layal, Layal. This us lay out Olive, uh, lay out if you will share a little bit about your journey through life and kind of how you got into education or, or fell into it or however you got there.
1: <laughs> sure. I'm, I kind of took the long path to get to education. So I did my bachelor's in anthropology and history from the university of central Florida and From there, I got to kind of experience world travel. I got to become a published historian. I worked on an archeological excavation in Turkey and just kind of fell in love with academia. So from there, I did my master's in history where I focused in ancient Egyptian history. So I'm actually fluent in ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs. And that was where I kind of had that turning point that I was like, okay, do I keep going and go for another five years and try to teach college? Or do I change positions and go to teach in high school? And that's how I ended up in education. So I did another master's in secondary education. And from there, I have taught almost every grade in high school. And I've also taught seventh grade for a little while. I have taught at charter schools, public schools, and now virtually through an online school.
0: Awesome. So tell everybody a little bit about the name of the school that you're at and what type of school it is.
1: So I teach for Alabama Connections Academy. So it's a K through 12 all online school. It is located in Athens, Alabama, but we service students throughout the state. And basically it is 100% online. We do offer chances to get together in person for like field trips and of course testing, but all instruction is delivered through the computer.
0: Awesome. Man, that's uh, that's great stuff. I did read a little bit of the bio you sent over and, um, I'm going to go ahead and say that you are probably the only person that I have ever met and likely the only person I ever will met that has a fluency in ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics.
1: <laughs> Dead languages are fun. It's kind of like a math equation trying to oh, solve the I, puzzle.
0: <laughs> I was going to say it, I, while I know it is a language, it has it has to be way considerably more difficult because it's it's a, maybe the most unique language, I guess, that exists in a lot of ways.
1: Oh, yeah. Especially when you look at a language where you're not quite sure how things are pronounced and everything's kind of a guessing game. And depending on which time period you're reading or who's the author of the material, it can vary quite differently.
0: Well, and a lot of it comes down to hieroglyphics, for the most part, is essentially lines and pictures. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, and I realize I'm devaluing it there when I say that, but I'm giving a... I'm giving an uneducated version of it. So a lot of it sometimes too is an interpretation of which move that uh, you know, which direction this is, or is that a dog or is it a cat or oh yeah, you know, the, the, those things. So I well, find especially
1: it, when you have like ten different versions of a bird and you're like, oh, which bird is this?
0: <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. I was so I when I saw that, um, I definitely researched it because I did not know that it was um, as extensive of a thing I just assumed it was something you studied and you know um, and i will tell you that I definitely clicked on a youtube video and i made it about three and a half minutes into the YouTube video and uh, yeah at that point i realized this um, this this lady here is much smarter than I am so we're,
1: uh, we're i don't not, know about that we're, we're not, <laughs> i have we're a not specialty
0: go. a- absolutely so so you said you got into you kind of went into education as a really as a second career, almost Mm -hmm. kind of in that, um, let's go back, you know, to life and childhood. Was there an educator that stood out that was like, Hey, you know, this person influenced me to where I want to, I want to do what they do.
1: So I'll be honest, I had a really good education growing up, but you know, it was an expectation in the family when I was raised, but it was just, you do your best in school and that was it but I never had a standout teacher in K through 12. Just never, like I have teachers that I reflect fondly on, but I was never the kid that I had a, like a teacher take me under her wing or anything like that. Not until college did I actually start developing really close relationships with my professors. And I have several that I'm still very close with now. And I feel like that was more of an influence for me, especially in my education. I really felt my stride once I got to college versus in high school but my grandfather always wanted to be a teacher and he just never had that option and my grandmother when she first came to this country didn't speak english and had a teacher take her under her wing and helped her find friends and and get comfortable in where, school and those were always stories that kind of stuck with me growing up
0: where 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 is your grandmother from
1: my grandmother was born and raised in lebanon
0: oh okay cool cool i'm a, I'm, actually, I'm i'm a big so i travel a lot and uh one of my favorite cuisines, um especially in Australia because there's a there's a, a relatively large Lebanese community um in Australia. Yeah. I am I cannot man I, if you hadn't if we have not have had this conversation, I would have been able to tell you, but they use potatoes amazingly well in Lebanese food, <laughs> and there is a dish that I get at this place that's right around the corner from the hotel I always go to and oh man, it's it's. it's it's I go for lunch cause it's not as busy and man, they cook everything fresh. It's good stuff. <laughs> so, so you had that influence of a teacher. What is, um, like, I, I guess share with me a little bit about your experience. So you've, you've done this virtual Academy now for, um, for, for one year, not because you had, to, not because you were forced to, because you chose to, yeah. um, what are the, some things that, you know, I guess what's one of the things that you started doing because you came out of a a traditional classroom. What are some things when you started doing the virtual account, you were like, oh my goodness, what have I got myself into?
1: So the first week um, I was actually down in Alabama for in-person training and it was a lot. It was because you have to kind of retrain your mindset of how you're building these student relationships and how you're keeping track of students and keeping up with parents, it's a lot more than just sending an email or picking up the phone. And so that first week in training, I'm sitting here going, oh boy, this is a lot. There's a lot more to this than I thought it was gonna be. Because you know, normally when you switch jobs teaching, if you switch from one school to the next, there's always a learning curve. But for this, it was like, oh boy. But then once I started in the system and I got used to their, their learning management system where all the kids are housed, and after a couple of weeks, it was like, okay, no, it really is just like being in a normal classroom. You just have to change how you speak to everyone.
0: Awesome, awesome. What I would assume, and I could completely be wrong, I would guess one of the biggest hurdles is the in-person emotional connection. Is that how how have you is that something that you had to figure out how to navigate? And if so, how how did how were you able to do that?
1: yeah because it's not as easy as seeing a kid in person and you like hey i know you're struggling let's talk or hey come here you need a hug take a big breath everything's going to be okay it, it's not as easy because i don't always see their faces so i can't always judge what's going on because i don't see them every day but in some ways i have closer relationships with these students than i did in the past because they're reaching out to me because they need me i'm not just a convenience it's a hey i really need a hand so we'll talk on the phone or text and the kids love to text of course so that's honestly like one of the easiest ways to be like hey check in you still okay um and then this year we've been really focusing on that social emotional learning aspect and so we've got these little groups of like anywhere from five to ten students that we're trying to meet with on a weekly basis for a half an hour and be like hey i am with you until you graduate i am basically here for you let Talk. Let's get to know each other. Let's plan things out, and that's been great because the kids are loving being able to really sit there and talk to you and tell you what's going on and what's affecting their families, and it not have to revolve around school.
0: Absolutely, that's awesome. So you're teaching high school, mm-hmm. and then so you said you're with them all year. Is that just for that uh, social emotional thing, or is that in you're you're their teacher all the way through yeah, high school?
1: No, that's just social-emotional learning. So I am teaching 11th grade U.S. History 2 at the moment. That's the class I've got. Um, But I'm also a homeroom teacher. I'm an advisory teacher. So I have a large group of students that are with me for the full year of their 11th grade.
0: Awesome. That's awesome. So I'm, I'm guessing... Um, what are, what are, what are, tell me, tell me, tell me some things that you've learned from a positive standpoint that you've been able to use. Cause there's obviously going to be a lot, well, a majority of teachers right now, um, are going to be, uh, being thrown into obviously not nearly as structured or nearly as, um, intentional as what you're doing, but thrown into this online. I mean, my kids, my, my oldest two that are home. Um, they're, they're, they're doing school from online. Um, it is much different, uh, much different for them, but not necessarily in a bad way. So like, what are some, maybe some tips or some things that you've learned, um, in that process that might be helpful for, for those listening?
1: Well, one, there are a million and one resources out there, which is so nice because for both students, parents, and teachers, you're one Google search away from being able to find something useful or helpful to make, Classrooms more exciting, to make it not boring to stare at a computer screen all day. The biggest thing I can preach is patience, because this is so new for so many people, including families. And that's where I think a lot of people are struggling is the parent aspect of this. It's not as easy as sending your kid to school, knowing that they'll come home, and then you have a plan for the evening. And so I think the biggest thing is honestly talking to parents, because we've had such a huge influx of students that are coming to us because of the current climate. And getting the parents on the phone and walking them through, taking that extra five or 10 minutes to be like, hey, it's going to be okay. You have my number. Call me if you need me. That makes all the world, because then if the parents are comfortable, the students are going to be comfortable because the students are smart. They're going to be able to figure out the tech. But it's the parents that this is going to be the hardest on.
0: Yeah, especially, especially kids today, age they you know, you're, you're dealing with kids who have had an iPad or an iPod or something majority of their life, uh, where you may be dealing with a parent who has only had an iPad, you know, for four <laughs> out of 40 years. Right. So, yeah.
1: I mean, I have a 17 month old and she is probably better on my iPad than my parents are.
0: Absolutely. We, uh, our daughter, uh, my wife and I has a daughter, she's nine now, but, um, uh, her my, my father-in-law is big into technology and those things and and he had gotten her um uh, an ipod touch and he maybe <laughs> or i think he gave her an older one or something that he had when he got a new one maybe she was 18 months old and i mean we never showed her how to use it she knew how to swipe she knew how to touch she knew it was wild to see how easy it was for someone with no preconditioned uh, understanding and now you have a a forty-five-year-old mom who gets one for the first time, and you know, it's like <laughs> it's like reading hieroglyphics to her, yeah, in, exactly, in, in, in some way. So, um, so what? Um, I guess I'm I'm curious a little bit more about the school that you're at. So, it so does it have normal hours like a normal school does? Give me a little bit about the structure and 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 insight into that.
1: Yeah, so we are connected to a local school district. We're connected to Limestone County Public Schools. So we. Work very from like very similarly to they do. Um, So same like breaks, we have holidays and vacations, all of the holidays off, summers off. Teachers, we typically keep hours from like eight to four. So those are kind of like our main working hours. Of course, being a teacher, nobody ever works just eight to four. Um, But those are kind of like, hey, if you need us, these are the hours you can always call us. And we can always be expected to answer. But, you know, you can probably reach us in the evenings if you really need us. And then um, students are expected to have normal attendance. They're expected to have, you know, five to six hours of schooling a day, 30 hours a week. Um, they don't have to work like you would in a normal school where they go from like seven to two. Mm-hmm. In fact, a lot of our students work or are athletes. And so a lot of them will work in the evenings, will work on the weekends, um, and will kind of vary their hours based on what their schedules are. We just kind of are like, hey, this is the minimum we expect of you. This is what has to get done. Here's where your parents have to say, yes, they did 30 hours of schooling this week.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. That's interesting. Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's, uh, a, a, we're, we're going to definitely see a, a bigger change, I think, in our education system. Uh, probably the biggest change will happen within universities and, and mm-hmm. online and those things, uh, which, I mean unless you're having labs and certain things, why do I really need to be in the classroom and be on campus? Um, so I think, I, think, I think those will change. Um, let's, let's go back to your traditional school um, experience. What was, what was that one experience of that one student that happened and you were like, oh, man, what have I got myself into?
1: Mm-hmm. I've had several of those. But those are the students that I look back on the most fondly. I had a student and the first one that comes to mind, he was just, just struggling. He was too smart. And I think that was part of the problem is he knew he was smart and didn't want to be in school because of it, because he was like, I don't need to be here to learn this. I just give me the test and let me be gone. I don't want to be in this classroom. I don't want to be here with you people. I want to be home. I don't need to be here. And he was kind of that first glimpse of where an online school would have been better because that's what he wanted to. And that's eventually what he switched to and ended up becoming in um, to an online school. But every day was a struggle getting him to even just come to my classroom. Getting him through the door was a win. If I got him through the door, it was amazing. Got him to sit down in his seat. I'm praising. I'm having an awesome day at that point because most days I only got to keep him in my classroom for maybe 10 minutes before he found an excuse to leave and then didn't come back. And eventually, I just kept kept up the same attitude with him every day, always pleasant, always smiling, always listening to him, let him talk. And eventually, he'd stretch it out, he would stay with me for 15 minutes, and then 20 minutes. And then he'd come and check in with me during his lunch period. And then he'd check in me with before school. And eventually, he just got used to that consistency that it was like, hey, no matter what you're going to do, I'm not going to hate you. You can't make me turn against you. I am here for you. I am ready to help you. That's not going to change. And eventually he started to rely on me. And he confide in me about being bullied. Some issues at home. And some issues with other teachers. And so he would just eventually unload on me. And that grew our relationship. And I got him to pass my class.
0: That's awesome. And I
1: could not be more proud of how much he grew from that first day with me where he was like, I don't want anything to do with you. So that last day before he finally transferred to an online school where he was like, I'm going to miss you, Mr. Wallace. Thank you.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. That's a, that's a great story. And, and it's one of those things I think it's a common thing of so many teachers. Well, I think the system is built where you, we think we have to teach the curriculum mm-hmm. and not the actual student okay. and you know, every, everybody learns, everybody learns differently, um, for sure. And, you know, we all, we all adapt, uh, we all have different life experiences. We all have different exposure to different environments and, and different things. And yeah, I mean, those things, um, those things, those things definitely matter for sure. Um, what is, what are, what are some things that you, that you learned in, cause I think this is, this is relevant. What are some things that you learned in the traditional classroom that you've been able to carry over into the virtual learning?
1: So I think the biggest thing that I learned being in the classroom was really just how to connect with the kids because, and you said it, we're too focused on curriculum. We're too focused on clothing. What is appropriate to wear inside this classroom? We're too focused on bell to bell instruction, that we miss out on getting to know these kids as people because that's what they are first. They're human beings that have their own backstory and some are really good backstory and others have seen true tragedy. And those are the ones we need to focus on. We need to focus on building that structure and that relationship with the student before you can ever begin to actually teach them curriculum. And, and listen, I come from a perspective of a history teacher, which you know we're kind of the forgotten subject half the time. Nobody cares if you remember how many people signed the Declaration of Independence. Sure. That's not the point of my course. So the point of my course is to be able to help students grow as individuals with critical thinking skills and understanding bias and being able to identify what is or isn't fake news. But the only way I can convince them to learn that material is if they trust me. And so, learning how to build that relationship and letting them see that I'm not perfect, I mess up. I mess up a word. I can't pronounce something correctly. I trip and fall, which I do quite often because I'm a klutz. Like, those are all things that kids need to see that we're not these big, intimidating teachers, that we have screwed up too, that we are human. And when they see that, they'll trust you. When you apologize, Oh, if you've ever done this as a teacher, if you've apologized to your student, they look at you like you're crazy. Like you just admitted you messed up. Yes. And I will apologize every time I do. Yeah. And learning how to do that with kids in brick and mortar in a traditional setting made it that much easier to understand how to do it virtually when I don't see them on camera every day. They see me on camera once, maybe two or three times a week and that's it. So learning how to do that and carry that over through text messages and emails and phone calls has made all the difference.
0: Absolutely, I can, man, I can, I can only imagine. And that, and I think that's, I think it's relevant, you know, with with the world and what's going on. You 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 mentioned you teach something that um, I've often wondered when it will actually be a part of today's 2020 moving forward curriculum of how to figure out what is true and what is not true um, from a media standpoint or, mm-hmm. or those things. And, um, you know, I actually, I actually just posted this today to, you know, it's not, it's about politics, but it's not about politics. We, our biases influence um, our environment influences our upbringing and what our parents believe influence us. And, you know, now that both the democratic and Republic conventions are, are, are over with, Um, you know, there's a lot of, well, we said this and they said that, or they said this and we said that and I, and I posted and I said, Hey, you know, here's some handy information find two independent fact checking sources that are out there. And they do exist regardless of what we believe, like those, those things do exist and research how, what they fact checked the party you support. And the party you oppose and then oh, yeah. almost make a tally of how many lies because they both lie to you right so you know you know they, who told the most lies <laughs> and what were the lies about and how did they impact your beliefs because you might find that your biases and your lack of understanding what's actually happening are being influenced in a way you did not realize and therefore who you're deciding to support might not be the way it is, if that makes sense. So No, it
1: does completely.
0: So how, so how do you teach that? How, I'm, I'm really curious about this now, because I think it's something that needs to be taught um, oh, as yeah. somebody who, who lives and grows a business online. How, 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 what are some of the ways you do teach it?
1: The first thing you got to get everybody to realize is we all have bias and bias isn't a bad thing. It always comes across that it is, but we all have it. And it influences how we speak how we write, what we choose to watch, what we choose to read. And the biggest thing is once you understand what your bias is, then you know how to acknowledge it and find it. So we do several projects throughout the school year that are you know, more research-based and less, uh, let's take a test. And whenever you have projects that involve students having to go to the library or do searches online, that's when you wanna really hammer the point of sources, Is this a valid source? What type of bias it has? What's the author's purpose behind it? And once you kind of have that checklist of, okay, let's look at these items, identify what you're reading, find something from a different perspective, and then include that information. Because, and like you said, with nowadays, you can't just watch one news source. If you watch Fox, you got to watch CNN or vice versa. You know, you got to watch them both. That's the only way you're ever going to get a better glimpse of the entire picture. And even then, you're still going to miss chunks of it. Sure, It's human error. It's what happens. And the same thing is present in history. There are so many times you can go back and read something where you can very clearly tell the author's prejudice behind it, even down to their language. And those are the types of things that when you teach them that in school, when it comes to doing research and doing writing, that's stuff that can stick with them. And the biggest thing I tell my students, question everything.
0: 100%.
1: Always ask why or where did you get that from? Somebody says, hey, did you see this in the news? No. Where did you see that at? Facebook. Oh, where on Facebook? Did it come from an actual news source? or Did a friend share it? Because if it came from a friend, you probably shouldn't listen to it. Did you open up a new tab on your computer and search for it? What came up? And that's the biggest thing is don't be afraid to ask why question it. It doesn't matter where it comes from. Nobody is the authority with all of the answers question and keep researching. And that's what we try to really push on all of our projects to make them really think through the information they're getting, because the problem now is all of the information is at the tip of their fingers that they can get in seconds. And it makes it too easy to just believe everything you read.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I am going to go on record in saying this that you're teaching these young people may be the most important life skill moving forward than anything you could ever teach them. And I don't mean to devalue your your degree or no. what you've learned. That is easily hands down the truth. And and oh, yeah. and, and it's one of those things so, so so I actually have a couple more questions stemming out of this, if that's okay. So so, w- being a history teacher, most history books are written with a certain bias. Oh yeah. Um, how are and and i and I and I speak as a as a white guy in America. I speak very openly about race and yeah. the need for change and those things. Um, how do you address that? Because are you given a curriculum or are you allowed to say, hey, well, wait a second. Christopher Columbus didn't discover America. This isn't <laughs> what it happened. You know what I'm saying? I think yeah. you know where I'm going with it. Yeah. How, how do you, how, because does, man, God, I hate to say this, but how does, because if we're going, because if you teach that, then we have to also apply that to what, you know, what this book says that the school got a discount on. So we bought 10,000 of them or, yeah. you know, wh- whatever it is how it is like, do you teach that way or do you have to stick to a curriculum?
1: No. So I have complete freedom over what I am teaching. Um, They do have, Oh, it's amazing because I've worked in the opposite environment. So I have a kind of like a virtual curriculum and textbook that includes everything from written materials to primary sources to videos. It even has podcasts in it that the students go through I can delete something if I don't want them to read it. I can plug in my own material for different things. Um, so I do have freedom with that, which is great, because I have worked in an environment where it was like, here's the textbook. This is what you must teach. And I hated it. I will say this as a standpoint from a teacher, I don't like textbooks. Mm-hmm. I think they're too restrictive and they're too big picture and they miss a lot of the important details that make up the motives behind things and that's what we need to study as a teacher i like having a textbook as kind of a guide that i can make sure i'm at least hitting on the big picture stuff enough and i'm not missing anything i've also worked in school where um, we didn't have any textbooks for my subject, and that was by far the hardest curriculum for me to create because i had nothing um, but it was also probably one of the best curriculums I've created because I had complete freedom to really explore the different aspects of society, both good and bad. And, you know, the problem with us is, you know, its history is written by the victors, right? Yes. Well, who's the victor? Sure. And that's the problem with history is because there comes a point where there are certain things that are remembered and written about from maybe well, too so, good of a so perspective.
0: Let's be fair. Sometimes they're not even remember. Sometimes they're just flat out made up, but you know, that, that too. Oh yeah, that's it. You know, yeah. it, it and, 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 and it's a disrupt, like it's disruptive to our, I hate to say society, but it is because the majority of our society was raised on a certain belief and, they don't want to be told that that was wrong. Right. Like, oh, yeah. like we have, like, like we have Thanksgiving, right. Like pilgrims mm-hmm. and Indians weren't hanging out. They weren't sharing meals together. Like this isn't what, <laughs> this isn't the truth. Right. Like this isn't like we, we color. I mean, I'm a little, I'd probably say a lot older than you. Um, but, um, I'm, I'm 40 and, uh, you know, I, I went to school still in the era where you colored the cornucopia and yeah. you, You know this whole thing. Oh, the Indian taught the he gave him a fish to, you know, show him how to fertilize the ground. Like you know, no, it was, and now you're learning this and it's wrong. And I think there has to be a massive change, not because it's the right thing to do, but because our young people, like we said earlier, they are so informed. You know, when I grew up, we had a set of encyclopedias. And depending on how old that encyclopedia was, it was maybe not up to date, right? So if you wanted to look up something, you know, that was our Google. If you were curious and you saw a whale on TV, you would go get the W and you would pull it out and you would scan through it. And this is a W, right? So, um... Now kids are so informed and we're seeing that with a lot of the things, with the protests, a lot of these protests Mm -hmm. that are being led, they're being led by younger people. And because they're, they're a lot more informed and they're a lot more. And, and I believe authenticity is a huge part in whether or not you actually have engagement with a student. And when you're telling them something that they know is factually not true, you're like, it. they almost shut off. It's like, lady why are you telling me this like this is not true like I don't care what your book says this isn't the case so I think it's one of those things to where you know being man we have we have to be open-minded I I actually saw a really interesting um, exchange recently and Facebook is full of those things um, where um, a teacher was who is is definitely a social studies teacher, um, and was, was an engaged in a debate with a former student about the, um, propaganda use of, um, one nation under God in, oh. in the, in the, uh, in the pledge of allegiance. Right. Okay. So this teacher says that it's, it was always in there right so this informed young person did some research and research that it was put in in the 60s because of the cold war and it was done to raise the morale of the american people because the american people thought we were going to get killed by nuclear bombs and it was all going to be so they were trying to boost the morale so it was a sense of we're holding on to something that you're bias is pushed towards something that you were misled you were lied to and that is not the case so it like there's these different things and I think man I'm I wasn't expecting the interview to go to where it's gone but I'm glad it has because I hope this inspires more teachers and educators and the people building and and restructuring the education system you literally are teach. I'm telling you, it is, it is as important as learning how to cook a meal to do your taxes, the real life skills that you're going to use every day. Um, because everything is online and you, you are, man, do you have, do you actually have a structured method and formulated plan that you have put together with this?
1: Uh, it's not like a full curriculum but with every um project that i have them do i have instructions that go out and a powerpoint that i go over that goes over validating sources identifying bias conducting good research understanding author's purpose so i have um little things like that that i always go over with them at the start of everything to make sure that it's like let's drill this in just a little bit more let's try it just a little bit more to get this for you
0: you could make a lot of money traveling around and educating schools and speaking to students on this, just, just so you're aware. So um, what I will also say is kudos for you to being brave enough to do that rather than not just following the conformities of what have been put in place. Because that's a very rebellious thing to do in the structure of education.
1: Well, and it's hard teaching. Teaching my curriculum is hard. Do you know how hard it is to explain something like the three-fifths Compromise that yes. was put out? Like things like that are difficult to talk to students about. Like let's talk they're, about. They're difficult
0: also. to talk to some adults who don't even know it was a thing. Yeah. So, yeah. So yes. Yeah, so yes. Yeah, so man, I t- i you have man. I'm I'm really into this. So, so because this is not this is you are saying things that as a general blanket observation of the teaching demographic isn't common right so you're th- like i mean like i mean we're talking about it i mean i think it's relevant in today's world with what's going on race and those things most adults don't know what jim crow is most you know they, they don't they, they don't understand what you know how gerrymandering affects you, you know
1: that's a good one to talk about <laughs> yeah
0: or they don't know what redlining is they don't know what you know the, these things and so you actually dive into these things in some of your disguise in your curriculum
1: and it is hard with the curriculum that you are handed down and the standards you are supposed to hit when you're supposed to hit these 50 standards and you're going that doesn't fit in this timeline that I have. How on earth am I supposed to cram this much information over this much, these many years, into a couple of hour lessons and make sure they understand it? And I test them on it, and they're ready for standardized testing and get them ready for college and ship them on their way. It's not possible. They, the expectations there are for teachers of what we are supposed to accomplish in our, you know, hour as we see these kids, is impossibly high. And you're lucky if you have a principal and assistant principal and administrators that are simply like, it's okay, pick the most important essential standards that you have that students need to have to pass your class. And that's all we have to really worry about. And that's something my school is really focusing on this year is it's like, okay, what are three to five of the top standards that students need to have to be successful? That's what most of mine are on civil rights, social movements, modern day politics
0: (laughs) because they actually apply and it's something you're actually going to have to deal with in the real world
1: exactly it's things that are still relevant today because understanding our history and where we come from is of course important that's important for any country that you live in so that you understand where we've come from and where we're going but the most important thing you can teach these kids are things that are still impacting them today and things like the civil rights movement which let's face it, is going to be a battle forever because sure. throughout history, racism is a problem. Yes, Always. Every society, there's we can, always we can, that we can,
0: We can diminish it, but we can't, we can't eviscerate it, right? It can't, it'll never go away. Back.
1: Yeah, and it can be different things. It's not always race, sometimes it's religion, sometimes it's something else. So understanding who you are as a person, understanding that everybody is human, and that this is something that we all have to fight for and be conscious of is what makes the biggest difference. And then understanding things that come along. We have the Black Lives Matter movement right now. How many people have actually gone to their website? Because very, it's super impressive.
0: Yes, very, very very few. And the other piece of that so you're going back to disseminating information and whether it's real and fake. Also just because someone says Black Lives Matter doesn't mean that they're supporting an organization, they are literally saying the value of the words that I am saying <laughs> means black lives matter. That's yeah. what they're saying. So, yeah. um, yes, yes. And that there's, yeah, there, there's definitely, um, I'm, <laughs> this is really interesting knowing you're in Indiana and knowing your, uh, you know, your, your, your background a little bit that, um, not, um not putting you into a box because of where you come from or anything mm-hmm. like that, but knowing that you're comfortable um speaking about these things is it's 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 unfortunate it's not more common. Um yeah. have have you ever I mean I'm assuming some of these kids, especially teaching high school, they already have a preconceived understanding, some of them very erroneously wrong about race or race relations or um you know uh just the history of race in general and then you Mm -hmm. start to educate have you had some of them give you some pushback telling you you're wrong or you know you're you're that's not true
1: you know I for the most part the kids have always been really receptive and I don't know if maybe it's the way I approach it because I'm just very blunt about it you know I'm I'm politically correct because I don't want my values and my politics my personal preferences to affect them so I'm I'm very good about kind of just giving them the facts. So I've never had a lot of student pushback. I've had them ask questions, um, especially whenever we talk about like religion or 9-11. I get a lot of like genuine questions trying to understand like radical Islam. But parents are more Uh. of the issue I have faced. And now I have taught uh, for a charter school that was in downtown Indy in one of the worst neighborhoods. And I was one of the only white faces there. Now, talking about race to them, you can bet that was difficult.
0: Sure. And (laughs) probably I would say in the beginning, a little uncomfortable.
1: Very. And especially because I was teaching government, so trying to teach how we're structuring this lovely independence and freedom, but not for all. And that was really difficult because that's where I really had to learn how to tailor how I approach things so that it's like, Hey, listen, This isn't an attack. This isn't something that I'm like, hey, we have to believe it this way. Here's the information. Here is how I want you to try and think about it. Put yourself in someone else's shoes. Think about it from this perspective. Okay, now argue the opposite of how you feel right now. And that really got me through it is because they understood the difference between me talking about something that has happened and sucks and not about this is how we need to believe and act today. But parents have been the one that I've had some pushback. There's a website called um, CNN 10, and it's like a student news channel. And it's pretty cute for ages, you know, 14 and up. It's nothing that's super political. It's really good about eliminating bias. A lot of times it's about things relevant to kids like taco pizza. Um, And I've had severe pushback for ever trying to assign that as an assignment to kids for parents that are like, no, we only watch Fox. And that's where I have
0: the most. Well, you're also teaching a demographic in Alabama and those things as well. That, um, you know, there, there are biases that, that exist just, again, we go back to environment, right? There are, there are environment. I mean, you were, you grew up in the Northern part of Ohio, which there are biases there, right there. Even though you may have grown up in a very um, open-minded, you know, society and environment, uh, Detroit's not far away. So then there's certain biases about, well, you know, don't go to Detroit and don't do this. You can't go. So so those things still exist. And that's what we have to, like, <laughs> it's so, man, you have no idea how refreshing it is to hear that someone is actually teaching this way. And that's why I'm sticking on it because I really, really hope that there's a superintendent or a principal that hears this and says, at the very least say, Hey, we need to do this. At the most, they hit me and say, hey, can you put me in touch with that young lady who was talking to how she did this? Because I need to pick her brain and I need to figure out what she's doing because I want to do this in our school because, because it matters. And and on both sides, no matter where you fall on an issue, you are being influenced by your biases and, and understanding. And, and you said it best, try to go find what you don't agree with right yeah. like go go look for you know I, I make it a point um I've, I've had the pleasure of of being able to travel um around the world and when I typically go I spend two three four weeks at a time when I'm there because you know 16 hour flight to Australia you don't want to go for a day <laughs> or two and turn around and and come back um so so I've had I've had the. Uh, So I'll share, I'll share, I'll share a couple of instances. I've I've had some really, really interesting interactions. When I went to China, for example, I'd never been to China. I knew nothing about China other than Chinese food. And then you start researching and Chinese food is not actually Chinese food. It's American food. Um, And, you know, you learn all of these different things. And, and, and I made it a point, you know, I, I use it as if, if you come to my house, right? If my kids, if my kids have a friend come over, I expect them to follow our rules here. Not necessarily the rules that they follow at home. You know, maybe you can grab a bowl of cereal and go eat on your bed in your room. Maybe you're not allowed to do that here. You know, these, (laughs) these different things. So when I was going there, I wanted to research and understand, and I learned so much just about the country because I had the empathy to want to understand where you know where, where are some of these things originated? Why you know how do you exchange? Why do you exchange a business card with two hands? Where here we'll just hand it to you or toss it across to the table or you know th- these different things. New Zealand the same way. Now I will tell you, you don't know this by seeing me on here, but I'm I'm a big guy. I'm six foot six. I'm 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 very loud. I'm outspoken. And, uh, they have some culture, uh, from, with the local Modi community in New Zealand. Um, and New Zealand has a special place. So that's actually what that sign right there. So, cool. so that, that sign is Kia Kaha. So that is a part of the, um, uh, the Modi language, uh, means stay strong. So, um, it's, right. it's, it, it, it means a lot to me in some different ways from them. And, um, so I, they have different ways. Uh, they're, they're, they're very in tune with their culture there. And I'll never forget this. And we, we talk about, you know, letting, So i I'm again, I'm a big guy. So most people don't feel comfortable getting in my personal space. Most people are, you know, but I'm also aware of it too. You know, when I dated, I really, I'm a big guy. I can be intimidating to, I, when I go for a walk in the neighborhood, if I'm walking and, There's a, and I live in a nice neighborhood. If there's a, you know, a lady walking, I see her coming. I'll move to the other side of the street and walk. I don't want her to ever feel uncomfortable or feel intimidated. Here's this giant of a man walking down the street and, um, you know, you know, scaring me or whatever. Um, but so we're, I'm in New Zealand and I was at a local high school giving a talk and parents and stuff were, were in attendance. And this gentleman who can look almost eye to eye with me. Um, very traditional, uh, Modi. He had some face tribal tattoos and some okay. different things, but wearing normal clothes, speaking, you know, normal English walks up to me and he shakes my hand. And when he shakes my hand, he pulls me in. Actually, I'm wearing a New Zealand shirt today. He pulls <laughs> me in. And when he does, he puts his forehead and his nose to my forehead and my nose. Now... When I tell you that, and I'm, I'm very secure with who I am as a man <laughs> and those things, I thought, is this guy trying to, like, what, like, I mean, I like you too, and I appreciate, you know, what you're doing, but what is happening here? And he pulled away out of respect. I wasn't going to just say, what in the hell did you just do? <laughs> um, we talked for a second. I said, if you don't mind me asking wh- that greeting, what, what was that? It's called a hungy. And I won't go into all of it, but essentially what it is, is that is when you greet someone is the utmost respect you can greet someone with, because you are, Mm -hmm. you are exchanging the breath of life with them. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I'll be, I got emotional. I was like, you heard me talk for an hour and a half and heard my story. And that was because it's, they don't just do that. That's not what they do every time they greet somebody. So you have to learn and be open to these new experiences and, you know, new life people. And, and I think our society, our younger society is, is way more open and way more open-minded from, you know, religion to, uh, um, you know, who you love, even, you know, non-traditional marriages and, you know, all, all, all these different things. And, and we've got to realize that these, this box that we've been told for centuries that you have to be in you can still have morals ethics and values but not reside in this box and to hear you teaching and saying hey like you break these barriers down um i can only imagine some of the conversations that some of your students are having when you've had a really breakthrough hey we talked and they said hey mom did you know that uh you know, people of color were told they were, you know, three fifths of a human and like, they're like, I I would be willing to bet you. Some of them have even said, that's not true. That's not like, and then, well, no, you know, Miss Olive said that, and then they go and reach and they're like, how did I not know this? How, you know, you know, those things. So, man, um, ah, you, you have no idea how much, how valuable this is. You have Thank no you. idea. So, so we'll, we'll wrap it up because I, I definitely don't want to keep you all day. And I know there's other things you'd rather be doing than um, sitting and talking to a guy, talking about uh, his fear of possibly being kissed by a guy in New Zealand. Um, so I'm going to ask you two questions to wrap it up. I always offer, uh, offer up two questions. Um, actually, I'm going to do something a little bit different. Do you have any questions for me? And it's okay if you don't.
1: I don't know. I'm really curious to see what happened after, you know, you asked him about that hug in New Zealand. Yeah. So,
0: so, so so we did. And he explained it to me and we did it again because he wanted to show me how to properly do it. And that's how, that's how their culture is. Is a very, it's like, it's like they, and kind of very on topic to what we're discussing when it's going to be a really sensitive term and I'm going to use it. But when our history has been whitewashed, it is, we lose some of our culture. Even we've lost yeah. some of our culture. We came over from England or you came over from France or your, came, your you know, your family came over from, from Lebanon or, yep. you know, wherever. And in those things, I think those traditions and culture is important. Um, and cause I definitely would not want to just eat American food wherever I travel around the world. Right. Like you, you don't, no one wants to do that. So it over there, it is very much a fight because it is very, cause you've seen the Haka, right? Where the, yeah. The, yeah so, so everybody's seen the Haka though. Well, that's the only thing people know. They don't realize that there's so many other things. And I'm actually going to do an interview um, with a couple of teachers from over there that, that, so they have um, some traditional Modi schools still there to where you can choose to your child to go to a school and learn the history as it is told from you know, um, you know, uh uh, 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 um, a Modi perspective. Um, and Modi is pronounced M A O R I, um, M-A-O, Yeah. 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 So, uh, so yeah. So, so he taught and he was like, look, he's like, this is why you do it. You know, it's not something we do every time I did it because this is what I felt from you. They're, they're really, really cool people. Um, in general, very, very welcoming. If you've never been, um, I would strongly, strongly urge you to take a vacation and go, it is, to. it is, do you watch, do you watch movies? I do. You've seen Lord of the Rings. Oh
1: yeah. It was filmed there.
0: So it is, it, it doesn't do it justice as beautiful as you think <laughs> it is there. That's where it was shot. Um, And, and the, the, like, it is like I've, I've given talks and, um, elders in the community have come and laid hands and prayed on me for the work we were doing. It just, they're beautiful people. They they are beautiful, beautiful people. Cost wise, it's really effective to go. Um, so if something's a hundred dollars in their money, it's like $60 for you. Um, food is unbelievable. They have the best ice cream and the best honey in the world. Really? Um, and yes, yeah, really? so all of, all of their cattle, all of their, all, all of their livestock is fed from the beautiful green grass that you see. So okay. it is, you know, they're not, it, it's, ah, uh, they have, they have things called, um, honest boxes. So when you're out driving around and you're going from little town to little town, you'll see these wooden boxes at the end of someone's drive. Well, it's not a mailbox. You can just pull and open it up, and there might be crafts that they made, or there might be uh, some oranges or some kiwi fruit or bananas or whatever, or tomatoes, and you go, and then you just leave however much in the box, money-wise, that you want and to go when you're on the road. And let me tell you something. it is um. So when we were there, we actually rented an RV, and I'm probably one of the few people not from there that can drive from – one end of one Island to the, to the other end of the other Island and not use a GPS. So I've done it twice where, where we rent an RV and you go from town to town and we would give talks and you're driving along the road. There's not gas stations like there are here in the United States. Like, Oh, I'm going to get a snack. You, you're driving two and a half, three hours. You get a little hungry. You want and we figured this out and you pull in like, Oh, you just get some fresh fruit. You pull up, This this one's got some bottled water in there. You just grab some water and you just go. And it's like this is an amazing thing that you guys do, and the fact that you trust each other to do it. We bought some crafts, like they just had some like figurines that they did. It's like, hey, this is what I do, and you know, pay me something for them if you want. And yeah, it's um, it is, it is massively, massively, and if you're scared of the long flight. You can you can build a layover into Fiji or Hawaii and kind of break oh, it up halfway, yeah. and it doesn't cost you any extra from a flight standpoint to do it. So if you ever do want to go to New Zealand, let me know. I can definitely connect you with some really cool people and help you save a ton of money uh, on tickets because you can also get there for uh, a little under a thousand dollars round trip for airfare. So that's yeah, that's it's that. not it's not bad at all. So your go to snack. As a teacher in the classroom, what is it?
1: Ooh, I always hid like the Quaker chocolate chip granola bars in my yep. desk. Yep. And like in between periods of classes, I had like four minutes and I, like shoved one in my mouth really fast and then like run out in the hallway to greet kids as they were coming in. Cause you know, of course, as a teacher, you have to be in the hallway when the kids are transitioning. So I shoved it in and ran out there really fast.
0: Yep. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. What is last question? And I try to make them unique so people can't guess. Try to watch, and they're like, "Oh, he's going to ask me this." Um, what's one book that you've read that you think all teachers need to read?
1: Ooh, what is it? If you fall down seven times, get up eight.
0: I can Google it here real quick for you
1: fall down and then get a bait. I'm staring at it on my my bookshelf right now. It is an amazing book. And it really talks about perseverance and helping students overcome and achieve. It is a very good one.
0: Uh, if you looks like that's what it is. Trying to oh, yep, yeah, there it is. Uh, fall down seven times, to get up. yet. a young man's, a young man's voice from. Uh, maybe is that it? Is about autism? No. No, that's not it. A young man's. Yep, that's not it. Anyway, we'll find it. Yeah, we'll <laughs> we'll 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 find it. If you do find it, send it to me, and we'll put it in the description below. Um, when we when we post it. Um, massively, massively, um, appreciate you coming on. I appreciate the insight you've shared. Um, and more importantly, I appreciate the way you're going about, um, educating and making an impact, um, on today's youth. You are hundred percent embodying that, accepting the challenge and doing that. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled that you were able to come on and share a little bit of your story, but also, um, a bigger part of your views and your the way you're going about helping prepare these students to know right from wrong and understand truth from um, truth from lies in today's massively information overload um, society. So I massively appreciate your time.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed
0: this. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for being on. Thank you. Hi. Right, cheers.